Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, hey, Gator Nation. Welcome back to the Respect Our Decision podcast. It's your boy, Jay Hirsch. And with me, as always, is Mike. What's going on? And the hype man, Wes. What's good, Gator Nation? Hey, hey, guys. we got a very special guest with you for with us tonight. Our good friend and uh, former uh, guest of the show, Connor Clark, writer with SIL Gators and host of the uh, Varsity Roll-Up podcast. Connor, thanks for coming on with us. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys having me on again. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be a repeat guest. But uh, I do have to say, man, Wes, for being the hype man, you didn't seem too hype on that introduction, dude. I, Ooh. You, Ooh. You, <laughs> you, you're a little down this weekend after the LSU loss? Or, or what's going on, man? Oh. Man, I'm trying to get my feelings and my emotions together, man. It was crazy interacting with the fans that we have uh, that follow our podcast. There's a lot of negativity. I'm drained <laughs> trying to keep everybody sane. 
Hey, I'll, I'll do my best to help you out and, and, and keep the positivity. <laughs> I'm not going to be quite the sunshine pumper that you are, man, but I'll, uh, I'll definitely <laughs> – I'll, hey, listen, he's the hype man. I'm, I, I, I listen to the podcast. I know my guy is uh, is quite the sunshine pumper, and I respect it, man. But, hey, man, uh, there's one in every group. He's there all is. and we it's, claim it. It's essential, God, man. It's God essential. love him. God love him. I, I couldn't live like that. <laughs> Guys, well, as always. Well, we know you're negative, Mike, so that's fine. Oh, yeah, you know, you got to have it. Guys, as always, um, please make sure you go out and uh, download us wherever you get your podcast from. We're available on all major platforms. And please make sure you go ahead and check out our YouTube channel, Respect Our Decision. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We want to thank you all for hitting 200 subscribers this week. Major milestone for us. We couldn't have done it without y'all's help. We appreciate it. And, guys, as always, if you'd like to support us as creators, hit us up on Patreon, Respect Our Decision. As I've been mentioning, we put every dollar we get back into this show to try to make it better for you guys. We appreciate all your love and support. That's why we do it. And finally, guys, right before we get started, I want to just make a quick mention of our sponsor, Camwood Supplements. Make sure y'all go out and visit CamwoodSupplements.com for your supplements, for your workout, post-workout, recovery, and uh, just essential greens for your digestive health. Make sure you use code RESPECT20, save 20% on your purchase. That hey, being said, guys. Hey, oh, really quick, I oh, oh. uh, did a little guerrilla marketing for our boy, the... Came with uh, supplements. The it was that the Boca Gym guys just dump drop uh, pre workout all over the place. Oh, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I was like, hey, whip, whip, whipped it out. I was like, hey man, easy. A trial pack it out. What kind of podcast hey, am I joining like, over here? <laughs> you like a uh, pre workout? And he's like, yeah, man, you sure? Like, I'm so sorry about dropping it. And uh, he's like, hey, I love love to taste. Pause. Pause. Dude, I'm out of control. I need what are you doing here, guys? This uh, isn't the kind of is, is this the podcast that I agreed to join this evening? I don't know, man. That's Cinemax. Oh my god. Have you come? You, you, got, you guys have this marked as explicit? Uh, not for kids. All right, guys. Now that we've gotten through all the um, I'm sure the, all the hiccups we'll have for this show and all the yeah. humor. <laughs> Guys, every week we like to try to bring you all some of the highlights of our uh, high school recruits and their games on the gridiron. And um, our man Wes is going to go ahead and talk about some of the performances this last week. Wes? Yeah, appreciate it, Hurst. I'm going to just talk about two guys. I had a third guy on here, but you guys know uh, we'll talk about him later. Uh, Creed was on here as well, but he uh, decommitted from the class. So I'm just going to talk about two guys this week. Uh, We're going to start first with our quarterback of the class, Uh Stokes has improved his play the last couple of weeks uh, from where he started at the beginning of the year. Uh, he had a couple of TDs this week. Uh, one was a nine yarder and uh, he had a longer one of 28 yards. And again, uh, his, his play has picked up in recent weeks uh, from where it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, this guy continues to be on the list uh, for under the lights. Um, and that's Webb. I mean, the kid, if, if you haven't seen, I just want to talk about that, that run, that monster run, uh, it's on our Twitter page. It's on our Facebook page. Had a lot of views with it on our Facebook page. If you haven't seen it, please go check that run out. Um, uh, I was one that thought some injuries he had last year kind of held him down. And now that he's been healthy, we see uh, the back that he can be. Uh, and even though he's the only back in his class, I think he is going to be a phenomenal addition to uh, what we already have uh, with Johnson being back uh, for another year next year with ETN. So 
uh, big, big, big things coming from Webb. Uh, great senior season so far. So uh, you guys uh, have, I know you guys seen it. Um, any, any thoughts on Webb and what he has been able to put together uh, in his senior year? He's a grown man. <laughs> I mean, he's a grown man doing grown man running back things out there, man. That that run was spectacular. Trucked two guys within the first 10 yards and took it to the house when his team needed it. Um, and the best thing I love is that, you know, he splits carries over there, I believe, at Trinity. Um, so he's he's going to be fresh next year, man. He's not going to have as much tread on the tires, and and I like that. I like that he's going to be coming in, you know, not, not uh, Kelvin Taylor-ish. <laughs> Anybody else got anything to add before we move on? I like him. He's uh, showing up in big moments. He's 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 progressed. You know, he didn't have the as biggest uh, the biggest junior season. So he's also been a, a vocal leader of the class. That's why he's my favorite. And he's just um, he always you always see him. You know, on social media. You know, like just wait, there's more kind of deal. So you know, there there's. Adding a, a, uh, that type of element to an individual, especially when they're, you know, uh, you know for, uh, a very talented individual as well in a fertile uh, recruiting area such as uh, Jacksonville, which are, we are obviously uh, really going after hard this cycle. Um, it, it's definitely profound, and I'm sure uh, CJ can uh, really elaborate on that given, you know, his time with recruiting and dealing with the, uh, the uh, Dream 23 cycle. <laughs> Dream 23, yes. There we go. I had to fix it some there. Yeah, no, you're good. Yeah, I mean, you guys pretty much hit on everything. Uh, Trey's had a phenomenal senior season. Like you said, he's split and carries, so he's fresh. He's finally healthy. Uh, I think he f- last year he went through a lot of injuries, kind of started to get healthy towards the latter part of that season when they made their playoff run to the state championship where he had, I think it was nearly 1,000 yards just in the postseason going going off in 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 the playoffs last year so you're seeing the full full force of Trayon Webb and why he was such a highly regarded recruit early on in his recruiting process because he really does have that explosive ability while he may not have the greatest long speed of any running back in this class the first three steps he explodes through the hole obviously you can tell he's extremely strong runs strong so uh just really really kind of proving a lot of people that doubted him uh, going into his commitment and going into the season. He's proven everybody wrong. Uh, it really looks like it could be a steal for the Gators uh, because I think a lot of people were kind of down on him after an injury plagued junior season. For sure. And I'd love to see it, you know, see him get on the field some next year. It looks like he he's physically ready. So quick question. Obviously he's RB1 as of now, at least in the cycle, you guys think, you know, given his, because he was initially thought of as, you know, RB2, and then, all right, what's it going to take one to cycle, two next cycle, maybe a transfer? Do you think he's developed and he could be, you know, a high end program, like a top 10 program's RB1? Uh, I, I don't. Like true? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not such a Baxter in that tier. Yeah, but like, uh, I don't know if he's quite there. Okay. Um, I mean, just looking at what I, you know, like we said, he doesn't have the high end speed, more of a bruiser. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's just going to be one of, you know, he'll fit nice in the rotation the way Billy uses his running backs. I don't, I don't see him being a, yeah, obviously a, a 20 carry a guy, you know, a game guy, but 
we're not like, going to hardly see that here anyway. It doesn't appear early on. Yeah, that's what that's that's where I was going with it too, Hirsch. I mean, seeing how Montreal and Etienne complement each other, if we get another guy that can complement his type of style, then I don't know who. Do you, how do you categorize Montreal and Etienne right now? They complement each other well. And I don't think you need a necessarily elite one if you have two guys that are doing what we have right now at ETN and Montreal. So we get another guy to compliment him. I can, I'm okay with that. I think he's a solid, though, you know, to answer yeah. your question, he's he's a solid yeah. back that's going to play and, and do what, you know, do what we need him to do. I just don't think he's a guy that could go to, say, a Texas probably and, you know, where they like to, you know, run the ball 25 times a game with their back and whatnot and – you know, I just don't see that being him. Um, all right, guys. Well, we're going to move on to some recruiting updates. We've got uh, a lot of stuff to talk about here, man. Big, big, big announcement dropping yesterday on Twitter, social media. Uh, the time has come. Cormani McLean has set a date. Thursday, October 27th. Florida Gators, Alabama Crimson Tide, and some would say the Miami Hurricanes, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> Go Canes! Uh, this this is the guy we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for the whole cycle. You know, um, arguably one of the top five, if not one of the best players in the entire country. Um, some would say the best player in the country. Uh, ratings be damned. So <laughs> last, last names be damned. Yes. Um, and one bad one bad camp be damned. Um, Connor, what you think, man? All all signs look to be pretty positive right now. Yeah, if you're an Alabama fan, things look really positive. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. People no, yeah. Their, so they're going to throw their radio out the car. Yeah, them. I'm sorry. I, you're not going to get the re- <laughs> anybody to listen to the rest of the episode. They're going to be so mad about that comment. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, guys, Kumani uh, McLean is somebody that I think Florida's in a great spot for. Obviously, there were rumors uh, that the young man had committed to the last staff under Dan Mullen when he was about a sophomore in high school. Um, He grew up a fan of the Florida Gators. Florida has pretty much always been the odds-on favorite. Obviously, Alabama came into the picture, made things interesting, as Alabama tends to do, uh, because – it's Alabama. You're not going to not listen to Nick Saban. You're not going to not listen to a program with that kind of prestige, but it's always been kind of Florida's. He's always been Florida's guy to lose. Um, and I don't think they do. Uh, one of those prospects that uh, I actually put a tweet out yesterday. Um, the last time Florida landed a prospect that was number one at their position in the country, not specialists included because I'm not putting Evan McPherson into that category <laughs> um, was 2015 when Martez Ivy committed Jeez. to the Florida Gators. Uh, he was the number one offensive tackle and the number two overall player in the country. Same thing as Cormani, number one cornerback, number two player in the country. And the last time they landed the number one cornerback in the country, even with Florida's storied history of landing top level defensive backs was 2013 with Vernon Hargraves. So you're talking about a, a perception altering commitment. If Florida is able to land that young man, um, obviously everybody has been kind of, they were kind of out on Billy early because he wasn't getting the big names really quick. Um, those boo birds have kind of died down a little bit. Um, Florida currently sits, depending on what uh, recruiting service you look at for composite rankings. I think they're number eight on on three, number nine on two, four, seven right now. 
Um, and Cormani McLean on every site is a five star, or if you want to talk about on three, five star plus, um, not sure exactly what that plus means, but, uh, <laughs> but, but he's, he's pay attention to us. He's, he's the elite. He, he's the elite of the elite. I've been pounding the table since the young man was a sophomore saying that that young man's the number one player in the country. Um, I will not back away from that. Uh, it's too, too late to do so now, even if I wanted to, uh, <laughs> but, but no, yet, like I said, a, a perception and program altering commitment and Florida is able to land that young man. Um, and I think they stand the best shot. Uh, what are we about a week away from that commitment right now? Um, I do have a question. I, I saw this uh, question asked and fans probably would want to know what is, if he commits to the Gators, what is Florida getting in and what makes him the number two player in the country? That's a great question. Um, so obviously you have lockdown corners. Um, you can look at a sauce gardener. You can look at, um, I'm trying to think who's, who's one of the top corners in the country this year. Um, I really haven't paid much attention to, to national landscape. Um, but you look at guys like that and you see obviously lockdown ability, the lockdown their side of the field. But with Cormani, you're getting something extra. You're getting somebody that takes the ball away at an extremely high rate. Um, I think his sophomore year, he had nine interceptions. His junior year, he had 10 interceptions. Um, so typically when you get a lockdown corner, teams are going to throw away from them. Obviously, they're not going to go after that guy. Um, but when they do, it's usually PBUs. It's usually um, an interception here and there. But you don't see the kind of production that you see from Cormani at the high level uh, of football that he plays in. Obviously, he's playing uh, – Florida changed their classifications this year for the state, um, but he was playing, I think, 7A the last two years at Lake Gibson, which is the second highest classification in the state of Florida, and had 19 interceptions in the last two years. You don't, you, you do not see that kind of ball production at the high school level. Um, so you, yes, you get a lockdown corner, but for a program that over the last couple of years has struggled to force turnovers, especially in the secondary, you're getting somebody that can take the ball away from the opposing team consistently. Absolutely. Mike. Yeah. A couple of things. So I've, and I've, you know, past few cycles and we obviously haven't gotten them like maybe a Perkins, but I've, I've said, you know, there are program altering players in terms of national perception, you know, even if it doesn't work out, it's going to help, you know, maybe potentially get another kid. It's going to, you know, that high four star down. Um, like, oh, wait, why did Perkins go there last cycle, for example? Um, hypothetically, of course, but since he's in Florida and in, in, in our honey hole, especially Lakeland, Dreadnoughts, you know, a mod black coaching him from all Americans. So, I mean, does that kind of take away the shine of maybe a kid that's from, you know, Texas or Alabama that went to Florida? I don't think so. I mean, regardless of where the kid's from, you're getting the yeah. number two player in the country. Yes, he okay. does go to Lakeland. Um, so you kind of have an inroad there. Obviously, mm-hmm. a former Florida Gators is position coach in high school. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't until this year. And Florida's yeah. been the front runner for a num- for two going on three years now. Um, so, yes, it, it, I guess it, it was a little bit of a quote unquote easier recruitment, if, if you can even say that. Um, but when you land the number two prospect in the country, it doesn't matter where they're from. Okay. You're landing the elite of the elite. 
And it's just one of those situations where it's like, hey, man, if you're, if you're going to say, hey, it wasn't as impressive because the kid went to Lakeland, you're just kind of splitting hairs at that point. Yeah, especially doing a one-on-one with Nick Saban when there's no doubt. There is no – well, he wasn't a take. I mean, he's absolutely a take I mean, any school in the country. I mean, I'm just, it's, it's kind of normal seeing us uh, stuff, uh, Nicholas Saban in the locker for a corner from the state of Florida. But, I mean, I digress. I mean, it is what it is. Um, another one. Do you see him as a day one starter? I know he needs to add probably about 10 pounds, but he is quite physical given his size. Um, and he'll probably be, I don't know, but he'll most likely be an early enroll in early enrollee. So what are your thoughts on that? That's a good question. Um, obviously with a kid that's ranked that high, you think they're going to come in and start day one. Um, do I think Cormani's capable of that? Yes. Um, I would like to see him if he does enroll early, obviously that's great for him because he's going to be able to get into a college weight program. Yes. He's got to put on some weight. He's very thin. If that, I think I he's think probably he's closer to 160, 165. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing, the thing with him is he plays with, with such athletic ability, with such length um, oh. that, he could get away with being a little bit more slight at the next level because he's he's listed at six one. I promise you that kid's every bit of six two, maybe pushing six three. Um, I've Great stood next to him. His arms are extremely long. Um, he's just exactly what you're looking for in a corner. And I don't even if he's not your day one starter, I don't see how you keep him off the field year one. Um, be, like I said, because of that ability to take the ball away from opposing teams. He's just somebody that has to see the field. Thank you. So let me ask you this, Connor. Um, if, when uh, Cormani commits, does that affect anyone like a Jakeem Jackson in this class? I know there's been a lot of speculation out there, and I just want to throw this out for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, so – Obviously, Jakeem Jackson just came off of his Kentucky visit and today tweeted, no more interviews. Um, so coming off of a visit like that, you hear no more interviews, it, especially with Florida fans right now um, over the past couple of years. It's instant, mm-hmm. it's instant bad, bad exactly. news that pops into your head. Now, I've been told from the very beginning, Florida was looking at taking a very large DB class. They've told every one of those DBs that's the case. Um, I think you could see quite a bit of roster turnover in the defensive backfield. Um, so they're looking to restock really quickly. And that's if, if Cormani commits, that's seven defensive backs in this class, which is an insane amount when you think about the kind of numbers that, that, that takes up, but with a coach that has to flip the roster so quickly, seven DBs is not out of the question. And obviously I think that, all of these guys throughout the entire process have been told, Hey, we're going to take a big class. Don't freak out when we go after mm-hmm. a Cormani, then a Dijon, then Jakeem, then Jordan Castell, then Sharif Denson. Like, like I said, an, an un- unbelievable class, arguably if they add Cormani, it's the number one defensive backs class in the country or um, none. Um, <clears throat> so I, while I do think as a high school kid, you could see a kid kind of, well, there's six other defensive backs here. If I go to Kentucky, I'll be the guy in Jakeem's situation. But um, as far as I've been told, um, as long as Florida still wants that young man, which they 100% do, 
he will be at Florida. I know Corey Raymond loves him, loves his raw ability at defensive back. Now, you guys have to remember, he played three games as a DB last year before moving over to DB this year um, and playing all year. Uh, Still extremely raw. So he's got a lot to learn. I don't think he's expecting to be a day one guy. Um, So he can learn from the best defensive backs coach in the country and Corey Raymond. So I don't think there's much to worry about as far as Jakeem Jackson goes. Um, but I've been wrong before. It's recruiting. So you never know. It's recruiting. Things change like the wind. I, yeah, I think it helps as well. Sometimes we, we do run a 3-3-5. Th- three, three, yeah, well, you're, and I, you're, you're talking about an extremely versatile defensive back class right now. And that's You've what got, I was getting about to say is that all of these kids are recruited to play multiple positions. Yeah, you've got Dijon Johnson who can play outside corner or move back to safety. You've got Cormani McLean who is an outside corner. You've got Jakeem Jackson who is an outside corner. But then you've got Aaron Gates, Bryce Thornton, Sharif Denson who could all play in the slot. Um, and then you've got um, Bryce Thornton, Jordan Castell, um, and Aaron Gates as well that can all play safety. So you're talking about an extremely versatile class where kids will find a way to make an impact. Um, I don't think there's too much to worry about with that defensive backs class because they've said from the very beginning that they're going to take a large number of kids. Fantastic. Um, you know, obviously, while we're talking about possible decommitments, we have to, you know, bring up Creed, who decommitted earlier this week and within about, what, six hours flipped it over to Mississippi State. Um, is Is – I, I, I've heard the staff was kind of okay with that. Uh, is that the same vibe that you've got? Yeah. So um, from what I've been told, the staff kind of expected that. Um, I think there's, uh, I think it has a little bit to do with uh, his brother, Trent, not getting much playing time this exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. That was um, my next question. Yeah. So as far as that goes, I wouldn't be surprised to see Trent uh, transfer out after this season. Um, and maybe head over to Mississippi state to play with his brother. I know that was a huge pull for Creed to come to Florida. Um, he wanted to be able to play with his brother at the next level. Um, now Creed's obviously made the decision to go over to Mississippi state, which I think is a great fit for that young man. I think he's going to do really well in the slot in an air raid offense. Um, but I, it's not like a huge thing. It's not, and I know it happened right after a bad loss to LSU. So a lot of fans will be like, Oh, is this a sign of things to come? Is this the kind of the start of decommitments? Um, when I don't think that's the case, I think it's kind of a one-off thing where Creed decided to do what's best for him. Um, Florida wasn't extremely upset about it. Obviously, if he wanted to stay in the class, they would have kept him. Um, but not one of those, hey, we're going to lose a lot of sleep over Creed going elsewhere. I think we I think we can all be honest. Um, what it came down to, he lost his uh, fourth star and it messed up our Billy's blue shoe ratio. I mean, that's it is what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. I mean, I, as we all know throughout this show, I was a crazy my guy. The hype man has said this. I didn't. Have, I didn't. That's that was my guy. However, I'm a blue chip race, blue chip Billy baby. I'm pro blue chip Billy. You, you mess up the ratio, you got to go. All right, I'm sorry. Got evicted. This poor kid. He never well, had a chance. Hey. hey. Um. Also, word this week: TJ Cersey is going to be taking an official visit to Tennessee. Any any concerns there? I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, Tennessee is a program that's been pushing hard for him even before he committed, he to, committed Florida. to Florida. I think it came down to Tennessee and Florida when he made his decision. Um, 
this kid wants is, wants to take visits. I don't see TJ is one of the top guys on the board for Florida. If he flips to Tennessee, it is because Tennessee just flat out beat Florida. And I just don't see that happening. Um, TJ has been to a number of games this year. Um, and he's, he is their guy. He he's a, an outstanding young man an outstanding, uh, football player that thinks very highly and his relationship with Mike Peterson has grown over the course of the recruiting process. And I just don't see him flipping from Mike Peterson. Um, and he's got the opportunity to play early, um, as well with a lot of these kids in this 2023 class, because you're losing, uh, a Brenton Cox after this year. So opportunity to make an early impact, I think it helps with Florida there. Um, obviously, you, you know, it was a big vi- visit weekend last weekend, um, but only a few officials. And of course the, the two prominent ones were, uh, uh, Kua Rusal and, um, Smith, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. Um, I know, I think it goes without saying, I don't, I think we've always known that Smith would be a very, very difficult pull. Um, but Russo had a lot of good things to say about Florida after the visit. How realistic can we be about the possibility of pulling him with uh, Keeling looking more and more likely to either Alabama or Ohio State? Yeah, first off, I want to apologize to my guy Wes over here. Uh, Ke- Keeley's just uh, oh, going to break God. your heart this cycle, man. He's already um, had to come to grips with it. Try, yeah, try, yeah. Hey, no, no, no listen. He, he buried <laughs> his own I – mean, he, he, he bought the shovel. There's no crying no. in recruiting. Pick the plot. There's definitely no <laughs> crying Doug, in recruiting. Doug is um, I told him not to, man. Time out. Oh, I, I, the games. Hold on, hold on. I told y'all I did my part. I got him to decommit from Notre Dame. That's all. That was my job. <laughs> I did my part. The rest was on the staff. So you I got did close, right? So I'm you good. I'm good. Um, but, but, but sorry, sorry to get a little bit off topic there, Hirsch. Um, yeah, it's all good. But but yeah. So when you talk about Russo, um. I think he might be the first kid that I've ever seen say that Florida has the best dorms in the country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Um, so that's, I think, I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that has to do with Billy moving those kids over to um, the new living quarters. So that, that, that made a huge difference, but obviously, you know, um, facilities and stuff like that are all well and good, but you're going to have to win those recruiting battles by just beating out Alabama. Um, I think James Smith is pretty much Alabama and Georgia. Quay Rousseau is a little bit different. He's somebody that I don't think is afraid to leave the state of Alabama. Um, he's actually been pretty vocal about not boxing himself into, hey, I'm going to Alabama just because I'm from Alabama. Yeah. Um, Florida's done a really good job in that recruitment. Um, uh, there's a lot to do with um, a guy from the state of Alabama. I'm sorry. Give me one second. Collins. Sorry, my dog. My, my dog won't be quiet. She's uh, no, you're fine. She, she's she's recovering from surgery and she's oh. being needy. Um, damn rocking chair. <laughs> but no, so um, so so from the state of Alabama, you have Chase Clark, um, who's done a phenomenal job with guys like Kelby Collins, with guys like uh, Shamar James in the past, Scooby Williams. He's a big part of that recruitment. Obviously, Mike Peterson, um, because he's an, he's going to be an outside linebacker slash inside linebacker. Um, and Rousseau is somebody that likes Florida a lot. A lot of good things were said this weekend, like you said. Um, and he's somebody that just he, – he, he, I keep wanting to say Alabama, but it's hard for me to count Florida out um, because he's just saying all the right things. I think it's going to be very interesting. It's going to come down to the end. And I think Florida actually has a legitimate shot there. 
And a lot of people think that James Smith and Quay Russo are a package deal. I, I don't I think, think that's, that's the case. Yeah, that's I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I mean, really quick. I mean, when's the last time that actually like truly occurred? I mean, I, it, it you, you take out the Miami kids, and there's a there's a particular reason behind that. I'm not going to touch that, uh, even speak on that. But um, but it doesn't happen. The, the package deal is always great if the two kids want the same school. <laughs> the only one I can think of is uh, Ed Monolis and William Barnes. And Monolis is playing better than Barnes. I don't think Barnes has touched the field that's in, what I'm saying. for he, any and, significant snaps in North Carolina. Oh, by the way, that's a second little chat. This is for the guests. I might do apologize. That's a two Apopka Blue, uh, the third Apopka Blue Darter, Central Florida sh- uh, shout out. That's all. <laughs> I, 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 I got no a, problem with the Central Florida shout-outs. I have a, a question about Russo as well. Um, there's a lot of talk about Alabama wanting to play a different position than we want to, and that's the appeal that we have. Uh, is that true? Or if that's true, can you speak to that? Yeah, so Alabama is recruiting him, from what I've been told, pretty much exclusively as an off-ball linebacker. Yeah. Um, now, Russo wants to get after the passer. Florida is obviously appealing to that need or that want. Um, they want him to play edge. Um, obviously, they have two guys committed that they have for edge right now in TJ Searcy and Isaiah Nixon. Um, Florida will allow Russo to get after the passer as well as play a little off-ball linebacker. So I think that does kind of help uh, Florida's chances there uh, and and play into that appeal that Russo has about rushing the passer uh, pretty consistently at the college level. He basically play that jack position that Cox plays, correct? Yeah. yeah, I think he's a little more suited to drop in coverage than Cox is. Um, yeah, because Russo is a little bit more of a he. To be honest with you, that's why Alabama is recruiting him as an off ball linebacker. He's built like that. He's got the athletic ability to do so. Um, but I, I just think he fits that better. Um, but you, when a kid is that good at getting after the passer, you don't just completely take that skill set or that facet of their game away from him. Not comparing, that's what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm not comparing the two, but that's kind of like what people are saying about Michael Parsons for the Cowboys, right? Like if he he can play linebacker, but we but he's like built to go after the passer. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's actually a great comparison, Wes. Um, no, no, I'm not like it's, like you said. I'm not saying he's going to be Micah Parsons, um, but the skill set's very similar. Obviously, he went to Penn State as a defensive end, um, edge rusher moved to inside linebacker, and now that he's playing for the Cowboys, um, rookie of the year, what did he have? I, I know you're a Cowboys fan. What did he have, 15 sacks last year, he's something like that? Cowboy. He's not a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I know you're a Cowboys <laughs> fan, so. No, he's not. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, I know. okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're breaking his heart again. My no, God. no, no, no. no. Um, but, but, yeah, no, You that's very similar situation where he's so good at getting after the passer while, yes, he can be a good off-ball middle linebacker, you're t- you're basically taking away his best attribute if you're not letting him get after the passer, and that's I think what Florida's appealing to for Russo. And so Alabama would, would want him in the Will Anderson role as opposed to Dallas Turner. No, no. So Robert Will Anderson, Turner. Will Anderson's playing pretty much that's in, in their in their defense. He's kind of playing strong side defensive end, um, where Dallas Turner's playing that Jack linebacker position. Okay. They're wanting him to play like middle linebacker. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. All right. One more kid we want to talk about before we uh, we move on through here. And it's our, our, our favorite kid to talk about every show. Um, uh, Caden McDonald, defensive tackle 
out of Georgia, out of Gwinnett, committing on Halloween. Um, rumor is he's going to take one more last visit this weekend to Clemson. I don't know if that's set in stone yet or not. Of course, rumors been out there that Clemson might not be pushing as hard for him due to the uh, commits that they already have. Uh, apparently, Mama really liked the visit as well as Caden liked the visit to Florida. Mama's on board with Florida. We need this true nose tackle, man. What what's what's what have you heard about our boy Caden McDonald? Yeah, you uh I mean you must have the same sources that I do, Hirsch, because uh you're you're pretty much saying word for word what what I've been hearing. Um and I know that's that's Mike's guy. Um, boo, he's, man. he's he's been wanting uh, a, a true nose. He's saying the defensive line class is not complete without a true nose. Um I have to agree with Mike. Um, you're, you're, you're looking at, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wes, I know you're kind of upset about that. Um, hey, I know you guys you. have had those battles back and forth. Um, but no, I don't, I can't disagree with Mike in this situation because your only, your only nose, um, is Desmond Watson. Desmond your Watson. only true nose is Desmond Watson. And at 415 pounds, he's not playing the amount of snaps you need him to. So I think you have to go get at least one. If not two, um, two big interior defensive linemen, and I think Caden McDonald is one of the best in the market. I think he's severely underrated by recruiting sites. Plays in the top classification in Georgia, is putting up crazy numbers. I, Mad numbers. I, I wrote an article about him. I want to say two or three weeks ago, and I think at the time he had eight sacks as a and, as like, a and already tackle. thirty tackles for a loss or something. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Last year he had like twenty sacks as a nose, and it's just unbelievable the kind of production that young man puts up. And he has a thirty yard touchdown run on his yes. on his resume. He's, he's crazy race. athletic. Uh just uh shade, shades of refrigerator Perry. Um but no, so yeah, McDonald is one of my favorite prospects this cycle. Um and Lord I think Florida me. stands a great chance to land that kid on on October 31st. Um, I know, like you said, Clemson was Clemson has like all the crystal balls. I think on two four seven, um, but they're I don't old. think, I, yeah, I don't think they're that legitimate a threat unless something changes big time after this weekend. Um, I think it comes down to Florida, Ohio Michigan, State. and Ohio State. Um, Let me tell you something about Georgia boys. We don't like to go up north. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Um, I followed Georgia recruiting my whole life. Not a whole lot of Georgia boys go north. It just doesn't doesn't happen a whole whole lot. Listen, man, I understand. I'm a Florida boy. I, as you can see, I'm wearing a hoodie right now. I take any chance I can get a hoodie on when the when the temperature gets below sixty. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I understand that completely. And actually, Dijon Johnson was was one of those guys that when I talked to him about uh, about the cold up at Ohio State, he's like. Oh, I'm kind of a Florida boy, man. I don't know if I want to play in that blizzard um, that Michigan and Ohio State played in last year. But yeah, so I, I, to get back on topic, Caden McDonald, I think Florida has a very good shot at landing that young man. Um, from what I've heard, things have gone really well. Mom really likes Florida. She likes that it's close enough to home that she can come down and see games, but not extremely, like, not that he's coming home every weekend that's so close yeah. kind of thing. Just a so shot I think down seventy five. Yeah, so I think I think Florida's in a really good spot, and I think uh, if I was to put in a prediction today, based off of what I know, I would I would think it would be Florida. Woo. Well, that being said, we got a we got a quick little. Uh, when you mentioned Mike and Wes about this, we got a guy on our on our Facebook group, 
Mr. Justin Wood that said this week, uh, Mike is going to have to eat some crow on the podcast if we land Caden McDonald. Wes, you better give him all the smoke if we land him. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see them land two more defensive line commits uh, before the cycle's <laughs> over. And if it's the guys that I'm I'm thinking of, Wes, you can you can give Mike a lot of hell, man. Well, here's the thing, um, Mike. Mike's, whoa, whoa, Mike's whoa, said it the whoa, whole time. Whoa. That's where I was going with that. And and I hope oh. one's John Walker, but we'll talk about that at another time. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Say your piece. I know. I, All right. Once again, Mike's got to defend himself. I know. No, it's, <laughs> no Mike. Is, Mike. Mike has been. Mike's, oh, Mike's, Mike's, I, I, and I will say uh, before you Who go off, right? Mike. Before you go off, Mike. Um, I will say I listen to podcasts, so I know you've been very adamant that if they land a true nose, you are happy with the defensive line class. That's it. And and I honestly I wanted even if it's a developmental nose. I'm sorry if I like developing players, and I know for a fact. Oh, hey, and really quick, actually, you know what? I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, it <laughs> takes um, if you're closer to the line of scrimmage, it takes longer. To begin, you know, exactly. It takes longer to, to, to develop. And for the folks that cannot see right now, Connor is shaking his, his head or nodding um, um, in agreement adamantly. The, the closer you get to the ball, the harder it is to make an impact early in your career. Thank you, sir. All right, but I digress. Ma- main thing is, Cade McDonald and uh, any other notes, any notes, it had to be in the class. We have, we don't have the numbers. If you want to get a transfer, that's fine. But we've been doing transfers for eons. You need kids to within uh, to get in the program. So um, at, at nobody, you can't just yeah, Kelby, uh, you know Kelby Collins. He's a great, he's a great tech. You know McClellan. He's not a natural nose. He can play it, yes. Well, Norman, he can play it. But you don't want you're in the SEC. You don't want someone who can play nose. You want a nose. So, I mean, that's how I've been with that. I mean, you, end of the day, you want to complete classes. Just like you can't pick and choose where you say what's complete. So you're like, all right, uh, at DB, we have a safety nickel, corner, outside corner, boundary, nickel. All right, so that's okay to have a complete class there, but we don't need a nose tackle on D-line? Why is that? So, I mean, I don't understand why you guys are picking your, your arguments. Like you can have a, an elite pick class of talent it but it still be incomplete is my point no you, you're you're right sorry go ahead Wes. no th- i'm just going to say this and then be done with it the point was when you were saying you weren't going to give chaos his name until he pro- but he had fruit that was still out there i was comparing what the d-line was doing compared to what the offense of line was doing at the time and there was nobody out there for the offense line that we were even looking at when the d-line he had already gotten ends tackles whether he just needed a nose, and then you had Hall who hadn't committed yet. You got McDonald now who hadn't committed yet. There was a chance that we know and you know, and Hurst just alluded to that Walker could be flipped. So he had three guys out there that he could still have gotten, and you don't want to get a man's name and signing day is not even here yet. But you want to focus on the offensive line that I'm not even talking about. That's when that that was where that argument started from. Hirsch, is this a is this an, a weekly argument on the uh, on the um, offensive no, line it, defensive line group? It, it actually it's it it killed off for a while, um, sadly. But here we are once again, and um and we're gonna stop right now, and we're gonna move on because there's time. 
but I need to see some offensive line recruits in this class sooner than later. Yep, um, agreed. I think we can all agree to yep. that point now. That being said, Connor, I mean, obviously, as it sits today, we're at 21 commits. Um, we're talking about two more defensive guys, possibly Cormani McLean, uh, you know, uh, offensive line. We need one or two offensive linemen. Um, what kind of class size do you possibly see this this finishing out at? So good news is there's no longer a 25 scholarship counter uh, that's been taken away by the NCAA. So that allows you to go up to 28, 30, 33, 40 if you wanted to. Um, but I think Florida's class will likely end somewhere in the upper 20s. Um, I, I'm, I'm, so there's always every year there's this thought process of, hey, oversign and figure it out. Um, and, and it hardly ever works out that way. Um, I know there's at least 30 plus guys, um, including the commits that Florida really, really wants. Um, obviously they're not going to land all of those guys. So you're talking about at 21 right now, you've got Kermani McLean announcing on the 27th, which I think Florida has a really good shot at. You've got Caden McDonald announcing on the 31st, which I think Florida has a very good shot at. Then you've got guys like John Walker, Jordan Hall, um, Caden Jones on the offensive line. Uh, so you're, you're looking at at least 10 to 12 more guys that are on the board that if they want in, they're going to take. So, <laughs> so, um, while I don't think it goes upwards of 30, um, I think you could very realistically see a class of 26, 27, 28 players. Um, and I think Florida would be very happy with that because it's 20, 26 to 28 guys that they really, really want. And then obviously any needs that you didn't address in the class, you'll move to the portal for. Hey, real quick, when we used to uh, with Walker, um, back to that point on the nose, is, do you see him more – Based on what I've seen, he, he seems once again he can play nose, but he seems like more natural. Um, his his talent would be best suited uh, in more of a penetration role. Um, it's like a three tech. Um, what do you think uh, on that? Yeah, so I don't disagree with you. I think he's kind of similar in a in in the mold of a Chris McClellan. Okay. Uh, so he's somebody that, like you said, can play the nose, and I think he could play it very effectively. Um, but he's also somebody that because of his quickness, his first step ability, his, uh, advanced hand placement, um, for somebody at the high school level, he's going to be able to get after the passer from whatever position he plays on the defensive line. Awesome. Awesome stuff there. Um, Billy continues to just do great things at recruiting. And obviously as we've seen, the plan just continues to come together, uh, I don't think it's any accident that we've got Cormani committing right before the, you you know, the Georgia Florida weekend. Um, If that was to go sideways, which I would think most people kind of expect at this point in time. um, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that Uh, at least you have a buffer. I mean, you have some, you know, you have that good news riding into the weekend. Um, And, and people have been saying, well, you know, whenever there's bad news, someone like Kirby or, or Nick always have somebody ready to pull the trigger. Well, that's kind of what you're seeing with this is uh, Billy's got a plan to soften the blow. I've been saying that since really early in Billy's tenure, especially in this class. Um, You look at situations where 
Florida was getting ready to receive some bad news, like on the recruiting trail over the summer. Uh, I think it was Cedric Baxter was yep. announcing his commitment. Day, and they weren't getting him. Jaden Robinson announced his commitment the same day. Denison, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're, uh, what was it? Jaden Rashada, Sharif Denson announces mm-hmm. his commitment. Um, so you're, you're looking at somebody in Billy Napier that really understands the power of perception. Got a pulse. Got a got his finger on the pulse. Yeah, and and obviously, pretty much everybody's expecting Florida to lose to Georgia. I I think that's pretty much national consensus. So what do you do? You go land the highest rated prospect that you've landed in ten years, two days before you go play Georgia. So uh, Billy's very very adept to altering perception um, and really kind of softening the blows of those losses. That's what the elites do. They always have. Um, back to remembering about how Bobby Bowden used to handle things. I know we've talked about it on the show before, but Bobby was a master of doing stuff like that. So, guys, we're going to move on from recruiting for a while here. Now, we've talked about a good bit, you know, many things. Um, we want to take a minute, though, with my, we have CJ, and we just kind of want to do a, a state of the program, if you will, about Florida, where we are. A little, just a game after, you know, past the midway mark. Um. Obviously, there's been some good, there's been some bad, there's been some ugly. We've talked about it on our raw reactions. But, um, you know, we want to start off, you know, we talk about things going around on the depth chart and stuff like that. And one big thing we noticed this last game, obviously, was uh, Naquan Wright did not play. Was not listed on the injury report, but didn't get any snaps. And we and we saw Lorenzo Lingard finally get some, some carries late in the game. Um. Is would you expect going forward maybe some of these older guys to get less snaps and some of these younger guys to get more? Yeah, so if 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 I was calling the shots, absolutely. Um, you're looking at a team that's four and three going into Georgia, uh, more than likely going to be four and four coming out of that game. Um, so you've got to get the young guys reps to get them prepared for the next season. This has always been a rebuild for Billy Napier. And the best way to get yourself ready for the next season is get those young guys reps. Um, I was really encouraged to see Lorenzo Lingard get some, get some touches uh, against LSU. Uh, They, I think this week, uh, Billy in his press conference, actually today at the SEC teleconference um, said that Lorenzo Lingard has impressed him a lot during practice the last couple weeks. Um, and that's the reason why he got touches against LSU. He did well in his touches. I think he had three carries for 16 yards or something to that effect. Um, not not outstanding numbers, but a little over five yards a carry. That's going to get you the opportunity to touch the ball more. Um, and I, I've kind of been saying it since the beginning of the year. While I, I'm, I'm a big Naquan Wright fan, I think he's a phenomenal young man. Um, I think he's a good football player. I just don't think he fits this offensive scheme. Nope. He is not a zone running back. He he's not he's not patient enough like you see Montrell, like you see Trevor, waiting for those holes to open up. Naquan's just a hit it and go kind of guy. Um, and I don't think that's a I don't think that's a knock on Naquan. He just doesn't fit the system as well as the others, which is why you've seen guys like Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne float to the top of that depth chart. Um I think you'll continue to see Kamari Wilson get a lot of playing time. I think you're going to continue to see Shamar James get more and more playing time. Devin Moore, when he comes back from injury, will get a lot of playing time. And those three guys have gotten pretty solid PT over the course of the year. 
Um, I think you're going to continue to see some other young guys get, get more and more like Chris McClellan. Um, I'm trying to think of who else uh, Marcus Burke's been getting a little bit more playing time over the last couple games. Uh, Caleb Douglas saw some action against LSU. So you're, you're talking about the guys that you're going to be building around over the course of the next two, three years, if you're Billy Napier and you're getting them significant minutes. Now, do I think those guys are suddenly thrust into the the fire against Georgia? No, absolutely not. Um, but I do expect to see them on the field. Guys, anything you'd like to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, I want a – I'd like to uh, rotating the younger guys in. I don't want automatically somebody to uh, – just start them automatically – I think a lot of people just need to keep in mind because the people I want a youth movement. I do, but I think a lot of people, they need to realize there's more than just um, say what, like obviously everyone hate does not like uh, Dean right now. Okay, fine. I get it. He's not playing well, but there's a lot of behind the scene things that these kids have to do that if they don't do them, they will not see the field. We're talking meetings. We're talking going to your classes. We're talking going to your uh, going to study halls, and that's on top of that's just before you even get into football, okay? Because those big things behind the scenes are what the coach is looking for: responsibility, accountability. Okay, at that point, you need to know the playbook. All right, and once if you know the playbook, you need to at least make the be in a position to make the play. So there's so many little things, not just okay. I want to see the younger guy. I want Kamari, for example. So um, I'm I'm glad we're rotating him in. But at the same time, if you rotate somebody in too early, you got to keep in mind everyone's built differently. You could shatter their confidence. Some there are some people they need to be thrown in there. That's how they will learn. But you also just like in quarterbacks, some people they'll you know you know AR as we can see he it's need to be caught a little bit. That's fine. That's him though. Some people doesn't matter. Like, hey, let's get it done. Next, next, next. So everyone's different. You just got to keep that in mind for every player at every position. Okay. And once they're on campus, the stars are gone. Okay. Remember, we just had yep. Kyle Trask. Yeah. So I will say one thing that I was extremely encouraged on um, over the last couple weeks. Uh, it to, to your point, Mike. You have to know the playbook. You have to know, and especially when you're a safety, especially when you're a linebacker. A lot of times those guys become the quarterbacks of those defense, all your Ventrell Miller um, guys in the past. You're looking at Marcus May. You're looking at Matt Elam, all those guys. They were the guys that were calling uh, under Muschamp. The safeties called out the the plays on the defense, called the coverages. Um, It depends on who your defensive coordinator is. uh, But one, one thing that I was extremely encouraged on was Shamar James. Last couple weeks, you see him out there. He wasn't an early enrollee, so he wasn't on campus in January with Kamari Wilson, Devin Morin, and Chris McClellan. But he has still found a way to come in, make it so that they can't keep him off the field. And I actually saw him in times where Ventrell Miller was off the field or when he was out there with Amari Bernie or, or Scoob, Scooby Williams. He was getting people in place which for a, for a true freshman and especially somebody that did not come onto campus until yeah. June is unreal. So you're, you're talking about somebody that I think next year is the leader of that defense. And he's going to be, and he's going to need to be 
<laughs> and Wes actually brought that up about the how it is quite difficult early on to, um, you know, yeah. have that ability. Obviously, like you said, scheme, but like depending on where you're at position wise, you know, you you have to have the uh, mental ability to, you know, make make checks, recognize plays before they happen, recognize uh, formations as well. So, you know, credit to Wes on that. Yeah, that was my only thing about playing earlier and how hard it was because, like you said, Shamar has to not only know where he has to be at, but he has to make sure that uh, Dexter is lined up right. He's in the right gap. He has to make sure that Cox is doing – like, you have to you, – you have, basically, you're the quarterback, like you were just saying about how Elam and those boys were at safety. The same thing with the safety. You have to coordinate all that. That was my only thing about it's harder sometimes for not a corner but a safety and a linebacker because they have more responsibilities – on the field, not physically. I wasn't speaking physically. I would just speak men- mentally as far as things that they would have to be called on to do. That was my only point about that. So, but yeah, you guys said everything that I, I'm, I'm encouraged to about young guys getting, like Mike said, not thrusting in there to the fire, but being in the rotation more so they, they can learn those things. Yeah. You just can't, I guess my main thing is you just can't press a button, but like, all right, like a, like a nuke button, youth movement. No, like youth movement. It just doesn't work like that. It's not realistic. Yeah. Um. So, with that being said, we also got some news. Obviously, uh, early this week about Josh Braun transferring out. Um. And as we brought up previously, I know Wes brought it up earlier. Um. Well, and then with Creed decommitting, there's a chance. You know, obviously Trent might be gone after the season. Uh. Realistically, I mean, and I know this is really just throwing a dart at a board right now how many how many kids do could you see possibly leaving after this season or before (laughs) yeah so uh officially they're not allowed to enter the transfer portal until december 5th so um and and braun put that in his statement he's going to take a step back from football finish his uh schooling finish his degree and then enter his name into the portal on the fifth when he's able to um but first and foremost it's kind of hard to pin down like hey I'm going to, I think you can expect to see X number of players hit the portal. Um, I myself have gone through the roster um, as the season has progressed and kind of based off of what you're seeing out on the field and who's getting playing time and, mm-hmm. and who, who you see on the depth chart is kind of fall into the three and four deep. Um, mm-hmm. You can kind of get an idea of who you think might be uh, on transfer watch, uh, so to speak. Um, but uh, Braun is the first of what I believe to be many after the season is over. You're talking about um, a program that, like like we kind of discussed a little bit earlier, has to flip a roster very fast. Um, and a lot of people are down on Patrick Tony right now because they think maybe his defensive scheme is not what it needs to be. I, I, I tend to side on the personnel issue as opposed to the defensive scheme. Um, with Patrick Tony because he's proven that he can be a high level defensive coordinator. Granted, at the Sun Belt level, but when he got his guys, they were very good. So um, if I, if I had to give you a number, Hirsch, uh, I, I think you could see double digits um, yeah. transfer out after spring. I'm not going to say a, an exact number, but I think you could see double digit uh, departures from the program, uh, including a number from the secondary, which is why I think they're trying to bring in so many defensive backs. I think you could see a couple guys from the defensive line, uh, several from the wide receiver room, I think, I think will be gone um, after this season. I think the only, only position group you don't see a huge turnover would probably be your offensive line. 
um, simply because from a numbers standpoint um, in the recruiting class, you're not there. Um, and it's very hard to go get impact offensive linemen from the transfer portal. Uh, you don't, they're few and far between, as you can see, they went and got Osiris Torrance this year and he had every school in the country that was after him because they know how hard it is to go get a a projected all American, um, to come in and, and play. So I think that might be the one position that you don't see a huge turnover, but I'm, I'm expecting at least double digits to, to exit the program after fall. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he has um, – in terms of transfers, because he said – Billy actually said, and I'm, um, I'm sure you remember, he, uh, he said we're going to hit the uh, – I think we had a little letdown at signing day. We're going to hit the transfer portal hard in spring. didn't occur, really. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this will occur this cycle because we do have – I foresee the you know big-time uh, – guys that can go into the draft, I foresee them coming back. And I think we need, well, AR, for example, needs receivers. We just don't have them. So I just, I hope, you know, freshman class is nice, but we need proven guys. So maybe, you know, 10, 12 guys that you can, the first, second on depth chart. Yeah. So I think part of that last year, um, because he did say, yeah, we're going to hit the portal hard. I think part of that was not really turning the roster over immediately um, and really before everybody's bought into your program. Because if you start shoving kids out two months, bad into, look. Yeah, two months into being on campus, um, you're talking about a- essentially alienating yourself from, from the roster Good really point. fast. Um, so once – you've got that buy-in like a lot of these guys, you've got that buy-in now from Billy Napier. And if you're not bought in, you're going to be gone. Um, And I think that's going to be, you you now have the leverage for lack of a better term um, to kind of say, Hey, listen, your future is not here at Florida. We're going to move on elsewhere. And you won't lose the locker room. Like you might have, if you had done that two months into being on the job. For sure. Um. I've brought it up in previous episodes. We were talking about this, this same topic that, um, you know, any new head coach and our GM, when they come to an NFL team, the average number is 60% turnover of a roster. Um, obviously in college, it's, it's not as easy to do. You can't just out. I mean, you can cut a guy obviously, but that's like you said, you'll lose the locker room if you do that. Plus Billy didn't all the way know what he had and didn't have, you know, when he first took the job. So um, I think now that we've played games, we've seen what guys can do in the heat of battle, so to speak, and he gets a better idea of who fits and who doesn't, you'll definitely start to see more guys roll out and then go look for guys that can fit the the, the quote-unquote puzzle that we've been talking about for weeks now. Um, Connor, let me ask you a question going forward here. Uh, you know, I, I want to put this out there. So, you know, we're not the most reasonable fan base a lot of the times, you know. <laughs> um, Understatement of the year. Yeah, no doubt. I'm trying to keep it nice because I'm I'm the, the mid-level guy here. You know, I don't I don't go too hot, too cold. Um, in your mind, what do the Gators need to do from here to the end of the season to constitute a successful season a successful product for year one yeah that's a that's a great question and i'm sure a lot of gator fans that listen to this podcast will not like my answer um but t- 
to me, a successful season ends in a bowl game in a top 10 recruiting class. Um, I think the biggest thing, and and I know people are going to be like, well, six and six, that's terrible. Um, I think it's been proven. Um, You can look at Kirby Smart's first year at Georgia. You can look at um, several other guys that took over situations where they had to install their stuff. And wins and losses are not a, a, a huge deal year one. As far as affecting recruiting, as long as those kids that you're recruiting can see the vision that you are selling them. Um, So as far as I'm concerned, you have to get to a bowl game, get to six wins, get those extra practices um, so that you can start turning things over to the next year. Like like we talked about Shamar James, Kamari Wilson, Chris McClellan, those young guys that are in the program would be extremely benefited from those extra practices, because once you get over to a bowl game, if you're talking six and six, you're talking what, what the, the, the tire care, auto care bowl or whatever you you, you want to talk about, not necessarily a huge bowl game. So you use those extra, it's like 12 or 15 practices to get your guys ready for next year. Um, so number one is getting to a bowl game. Um, I think I predicted before the season started Florida to go seven and five. I still think they have an opportunity to do that. Um, and they just need to finish in the top 10 in recruiting, which I think they will do based off of what I've seen from Billy Napier and his staff thus far this year. That's, that's, you know, I can't disagree with you. I don't think anybody else really that looks at things reasonably can either. I know Mike's, Mike's been saying six to 10 wins since week one, and it's kind of a comedy thing, but at the same point, he's very right because so much of the schedule were coin flip games, as Mike likes to put it. Um, LSU, Florida was very much a coin flip game. Uh, Florida, Kentucky. um, Utah. Utah was a coin flip game because we just didn't know. We didn't know what to expect. Uh, Texas A&M, now that we see them, I mean, you know, very much. I I would argue that South Carolina and Florida State are both coin flip games. Absolutely. I would not disagree at all because you don't know what you're going to be when you get there at this point. I mean, can I go on record and say the Florida Gators are not losing to a quarterback from the state of Arizona? Yes, we know your take on Spencer Rattler, but we'll we'll cover that in a few weeks. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's. Um, we wanted to ask you a question, uh, Connor. Uh, we want you to name your impact player on offense and defense, and it cannot cannot be Anthony Richardson or Ventrell Miller. Because that's low-hanging fruit. I mean, everyone would say Ventrell. No, that's fine. That's fine. I I wasn't going to go Anthony on offense. Um, Ventrell is probably the obvious answer on defense. But uh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. Defense is going to be a little bit harder for me than offense. Um, You're talking about to this point in the season impact. Yes. Yes. I've got to say Montrell Johnson on offense. Can't disagree Um, with you. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's been – for 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 the style of offense that Billy runs, he's kind of been the bell cow. Um, obviously, Trevor's really close, and I think Trevor is a very good running back, but I think Montrell is just a little step above him uh, right now. So I'd go with Montrell Johnson on offense. And then defensively. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one, man, because the de- <laughs> I mean, I mean, to, 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 to be very blunt with you, the defense has been very bad. Um, it, we've seen We've seen flashes of the ability to be good. Um, but you just don't have consistency. 
Um, the only consistent thing on the defense is Ventrell Miller running from sideline to sideline and getting the defense in, in, in position. So um, if I had to choose one, goodness gracious, that's tough, man. Um, man, I really don't know. I, because if the, the couple guys that I'm thinking of wouldn't really be – impact guys they'd be more kind of like under the radar that i think have been better well let us have it let us have that one um so so i think chris mcclellan is somebody that Ah, has been when 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 given his opportunities chris mcclellan has made (laughs) an impact um and 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 on a defensive unit where so granted i think javon dexter is getting double teamed a lot um, so his, his impact is not as, I honestly thought you were going to say Cox. I have a, I have a love hate relationship. I, 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 with Brenton Cox I, think the whole, because, I think the whole fan base does. Because Brenton Cox flashes to be a first round draft pick and an elite edge rusher, but he does not contain the edge to save his life. Um, and, and I, you can sit there and watch a game and 90% of his moves bring him inside the offensive tackle 90%. I promise you go, go watch you know a game what, you know and watch bad? his moves. And you it's nine. It's, it's inside. He may, does an inside pass rush move almost every time. He improved from last year. Significantly. Um, <laughs> in terms of contain. You're talking about Cox. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he's definitely it's, better it's than nice, last year, but it's still not good. You, like you yeah. can tell he's making he's, a true effort to do it. Yeah. But it's, like, it is, but it's still not good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if if I had to if I had to choose one, I would probably say with his opportunities, Chris McClellan's been my guy. That that is Wes's man. Yeah, between him, I mean Shamar James is kind of a kind of an easy one, and I would say probably uh, Antoine Powell is another kind of guy that's kind of flown under the radar, Um, and he's played really well. But but yeah, if I had to choose one, I'd say Chris McClellan. See, Wes, you could have had McClellan, but you refused. To pronounce his last name, so C Mac, man, that's all you need to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, man, I, I've been very impressed with him, man. I didn't think he was sure. somebody that was going to come in and make an impact as a as a freshman. Uh, it's hard to do that in the trenches, and like I said, given his opportunity, he made two really big plays in, against Tennessee. Um, he's effectively beat double teams when he's been in there, so um, really, he's really impressed me this year for sure. Yeah, I thought he had too much baby fat, but I'm glad I'm wrong. All right, so uh, I'll go real quick. If you don't mind, Hirsch. Go ahead. The, uh, mine on offense, it's going to be Osiris Torrance. Um, it's not even debatable for me. Uh, our centers play like dog crap. Let the whole team, let the whole O-line down, in my opinion, based on projection of what he possibly could leave, really. Only place you could leave right now is to intramurals. Um, moving <laughs> forward, uh, and now um, he's just dominated the line of scrimmage playing himself possibly into the back end of the first round. So he even maybe improves his draft stock. So um, now over to the other side of the ball, this may surprise some people. I'm going big Des. Um, um, he, I still, still may, I will maintain. He, you know, truly let the team down in, on off season conditioning because he, he, he came in overweight. It's inexcusable, but however, ha- he's, Without him, I don't even – like, our defense is bad. But I, I think our defense may be kicked out of the FCS without him. 
So it's it, so he's 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 truly stepped up, made some plays, and especially given his weight, him you, him him playing thirty snaps that at that weight is r- remarkable. And at, you know, I remember the first game he had some some bad plays like dude either get off the field or just fall down and make a pile as a D lineman. That's what you're taught to do. If you're too tired, you know you're gonna get pushed back, fall down, make a pile. So. Those could be my two guys. Wes? Yeah, I'm going to go. Y'all know I'm going to go with uh, Trevor on offense. I've been hyping him up all year. So um, no no need to, to, to leave Trevor now. So I'm uh, still on the Trevor train. That's my guy. And uh, I'm going to go with my South Carolina boy. You know, I got to go with Boone. Uh, another guy that seems when he's on the field, he flashes to me. Uh, since kind of got my guy Chris, Chris, oh, not Chris, C-Mac. Since kind of got C-Mac for me. Jeez. I'm going to go with my South oh, boy. I'm gonna go with Boom. Boom flashes to me. So uh, when he's when he gets his opportunity, I know he started a couple of times when he beat it out uh, beat out Princely one week, and it was just like I love how they do it. If, if whoever have, must have the best practice, that's who starts between him and uh, Princely. So I uh, got to give Boom a shout out, uh, my Carolina boy. Yeah, since y'all uh, since Mike took Osiris from me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a friend of the show, Justin Shorter. Justin's made a tremendous stride from previous seasons to this year um last i saw he was top 10 receiving in the sec um been a while since we've had a guy in that category so um him and him and white boy rick are kind of neck and neck it's good to have some some receivers that that can fly you know that can make some catches and you know i'm hoping we have ricky for one more season to really see what he can bring to the table i have no doubt that he'll be back but um uh defensively uh, you know, <laughs> there's um, people, there's people, man. Uh, I, I really like what I've seen from in, in, in spurts from Kamari Wilson. I think he's shown that he is going to be the future at safety. Um, big hitter. Uh, obviously Shamar's played really well coming, coming on stronger and stronger week by week, like Connor already brought up. So, um, the young guys in general, man. I mean, uh, Devin Moore, when he was on the field, was doing a great job. So I, I just really like what you're seeing from all the young guys um, and not the seniors of the class. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we're going to say real quick, what is, as it stands today, Gators, four and three, what is our season prediction for our record? CJ, you're the guest. You get to go first on this. I know you've already said six and six would be successful. Is that what you believe we go? No, I, I think I said seven and five um, beginning of the season. I'm going to stick with seven and five. Uh, I think they they get those wins over Vandy, South Carolina, and Florida State and get to seven and five. Sounds about right. Wes? I, I have man. to agree. With, yeah, I have to agree with Connor, man. I, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Ah, I, be, I knew he couldn't. We're going to get one, either a Texas A&M or Georgia. We're going to get one of them. So I'm going to go with eight and four. One of them. We're going to get one. Watch. All right, Mike. Hit us with it. Is it is it six and six or nine and three? You ready for this? <laughs> no, we're going to close out, man. We're beating everybody except uh, Brock Bowers, who's one of the – Top three player in the country. Jesus. 
Like that's not doable. You're to tell me. You're, you're telling me. Um, he said the same thing I said. Basically, yeah. No, yeah, I, I know. That. He said yeah. the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that. I hear Jesus. Yeah. Like I can't. Yeah. But you're not. You, you, we're under this key right this now. This guy. This like, guy I'll right here. I'll break it down. We don't need you to break it down. All right. We don't need that, bro. We don't need you to break it down. We'd be here all night. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick rationally with Connor and go seven and five. I just. There's too many hiccups that could still happen and will happen. I mean, that's, you know, that's you okay. got to imagine at some point some of these guys are going to get frustrated and it's going to show on the field. I just got a feeling that that's going to, that's just going to happen. I pray that Billy holds it together until we get through this season and can make the changes that we've already talked about and just, you know, convince all the guys to buy in and say, you know, at least give us your all until you're out of here. Um, Easier said than done with kids of that age. You know, <laughs> everybody wants to go where they're wanted or where they think they can start day one or play tomorrow and whatnot. Um, but man's a leader, and I have no doubt that he'll be able to at least, you know, get the most out of them. They, like Mike has said in every episode, man, these guys have fought in every single game. That's one thing they have truly done. They have not laid down and died, even though the defense did look dead last game. If you're last, <laughs> if you're 131 teams, if you're last, like and you still and you're still playing on it, like that's hard to do. Like it's tough. All right, guys. Well, we've had some good talking points. Connor, you got time to stick around to pick ten football games? Ten football games. Yeah, our <laughs> weekly pick them. We 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 pick ten games of the week. Yeah, sure. Why we not? We keep Let's it short it. and sweet. We keep Let's it short it. and sweet. One, one um, word answers. <laughs> man, I'm telling you now, uh, Hirsch came back to earth last week with a little five and five action. Uh, as Mike and Wes both went six and four to gain a game on me, but they still trail. As I'm still 49-21 on the season, Mike coming in second, 44-26. and 26, And Wes one game back of Mike at 43-27. and 27, So... It's not a not a great slate this weekend, fellas, but we're gonna we're gonna give it a you know, we're gonna give it our best effort. So game one, Syracuse at Clemson, undefeated Syracuse and undefeated Clemson. Connor, what you think about that? What do you think? You said it's at Clemson? At Clemson. Clemson. There you have it. Wes. Clemson. Mike. Dino owns Dabo. <laughs> I knew he was going with Q's. Dino owns Dabo. Yeah, I'm going, with, I'm going with Clemson. I'm, I'm going to let Mike have his upset there if it happens, which I don't think it's going to happen. It's already happened. All right. The Chip Kelly Bowl. UCLA at Oregon. Ooh, I'll go. Undefeated UCLA. Yeah, let's reverse it. Yeah, go ahead, I'll Mike. go. Uh Bo Nix is going to lose because he's bad at football. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I got to say this, man. Mike is nothing if he is not consistent. Mike will not. If Mike puts his foot in the ground, he'll, he'll you'll break that knee off because that foot ain't moving. <laughs> well, so you got. I'm going with UCLA as well, man. All right, Connor, who do you think? Yeah, I've got to go with UCLA, man. DTR is playing really well this year. Yeah, I can't pick Bo Nix in a football game. UCLA rules. 
That's, that's, even if I lose, I'm like, I can accept that loss. I'm taking him. All right. I just thought about it. Yeah, no, I just baited him in on it. There's no way. Um, <laughs> The lane train going on down to the Death Valley. Ole Miss at LSU. Swing it back around, Connor. Ole Miss. Wow, he, he's just Rebels. the point. No, I'm going to Rebels Ooh. as well. Mike. Ole Miss. LSU will continue to be a bad first half team against every other team in the country except us. Yeah, Ole Miss has offense, and I'm assuming that they'll get more than two defensive stops the entire game. So I'll go with Ole Miss on that too. That defense is put, put stops in quotes. <laughs> they'll maybe get three stops. Who knows? Their, their defense has been weird lately, though. All right, Texas at Oklahoma State. Mike, this is, um, Oklahoma State keeps uh, slapping me in the face, so um, I'm going to respect Mike Gundy because he's a grown man. So I'm going with the uh, cap hooks. He's not 40 anymore, though. <laughs> no, I omitted that. <laughs> yeah, I told you last week about OK State. Yeah, I'm going with this. Is the only time you hear me say go Cowboys. We'll go Pokes. You mean you're not a Cowboys fan, Wes? Nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say um, some words I can't go say. Go ahead, Connor. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a tough one to me um, because uh, Quint, with Quinn Ewers back, I think Texas is, is a better team. But uh, Spencer Sanders is playing real well. I think I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. All right. Tough environment. Cool. Hook them. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take Texas on that one because I I think uh, Ewers looks really good when he's uh, healthy. All right, in Oklahoma State, I just don't I they always lose games that are big. Um, Mississippi State at Alabama, the Pirate taking on uh, uh, a broken and beat down Bama fan base. Oh boy, I'm sure there won't be any hell to pay this week, will there? <laughs> I feel sorry. For, I feel sorry for Mississippi State, man. Getting Alabama coming off a loss, I freaking tied by three <laughs> touchdowns. Wes, yeah, just, so they had a stat up this week. The last three losses Alabama's had. Guess who they played ne- the next week? Mississippi oh, State. Mississippi State. And they crushed time. them every time. <laughs> so I'm going with Bama, man. Every time it's Mississippi State, and they blow them out every time. Mike, I dare you to pick against the Pirates. I dare I'm you. <laughs> Is their quarterback healthy? Yeah, he's healthy. Yeah, everybody's but, healthy. Damn. Let me come back to that one. No, no. I'll pick Bama then. You, may, right. have, you may have had upset pick. You would let me come back to. I don't I'll care. Bama. Bama. Everybody knows Bama's going to win this game. Get out of here. I'm doubt the pirate. All right. Kansas State State vet and the ghost of Bill Snyder heading on down to play the uh, Horn Dogs of TCU. <laughs> <laughs> We're never gonna let Mike live it now. <laughs> the horn dogs. <laughs> the horn dogs, baby. You got them, TCU, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, sir. Wes. Yeah, I'm going with Mike's boys. What you think, Connor? Yeah, I gotta go TCU on that one. TCU's playing well this year. Yeah, man. I picked against TCU last week. I said I didn't want to do it, and I did, and then lost. Not doing it again. Go horn dogs. <laughs> horn dogs. <laughs> All right. Started here. I'm gonna put Mike in the I'm gonna put Mike in the corner on this one. 
tough. <laughs> Texas A&M at South Carolina. Oh, boy. Connor, what you think on that one? Uh, I've got to go with A&M. All right. Wes? I hate South Carolina and I hate Jimbo. I live in South Carolina. I hate the Gamecocks. And I hate Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo pulls one out. I hate your heart. Stadium. That's what I was about to say. You got to get my all that. God, bro. My God, that's a lot of hate. Jesus. Jimbo's <laughs> falling off, so but he'll get a win this week. He, he keeps all right, Mike. on thin ice. All right, Mike. I know. I know what you what you usually say, but you don't trust that other quarterback either. <laughs> He's but one quarterback from the state of Texas. The other one's from the state of Arizona. Oh, I'll take okay. the one from the state of Texas. He means Texas A&M for y'all that don't know your geographies of where the quarterbacks are from from each school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just – I expect Rattler to choke under that pressure of that defense. Give me A&M in that one. I hope they win, though. I'm not picking them. Here we go. Here's a fun one. Duke at Miami. Mm. Duke's got himself a nice little quarterback this year. Ooh. They played pretty well. Miami will probably have a good, what, 16,000 screaming fans on hand for this one? <laughs> I put the over under at 12. <laughs> Mike, who you got? Duke at Miami. Go Dukies. Yes, sir. Wes. Yo, Miami did me wrong the last time. When I was in North Carolina and I picked Miami against North Carolina. Yeah, give we me told, you talked about their defense. <laughs> <laughs> give me Duke, man. Give me Duke. It was actually a low-scoring game, though. <laughs> What you think, Connor? Duke, Miami. I don't think either program's that good. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a bad Miami team this against is a an basketball up year school. For Duke, man. I mean, uh, they're, 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 <laughs> who's playing well this year? Duke. Uh, yeah. Um, Miami barely beat Virginia Tech last week. I just, I know Miami's favorite in that game, but I, I Duke just seems to play Miami really well, e- even the last few years when they've been very bad. Yeah. Um. Kind of like all Power Five conferences. Yeah, get, uh, <laughs> give me the give, give me the Blue Devils. Give me the Blue Devils. West caught it. Yeah, I caught that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They both they, they almost lost the VTEC Friday last Friday. Eighteen penalties. It's a road game for both teams. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It's neutral site. It's neutral site. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're playing in the Miami Dolphins Stadium. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I'll put the reverse on them, and I'll I'll pick Miami. I picked them. I picked Virginia Tech last week, and it cost me. So I'll, I'll go ahead. Huh? Rookie, Rookie move? move? Yeah. Well, you know, they almost lost it. Um, I never pick against Metallica, man. I told you, the Inner Sandman. I can't pick against it. Kansas at Baylor. Connor, I know you probably know a lot about both these programs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, definitely well versed in uh, in both programs. No, um, I'm going to go Baylor. Um, Kansas lost their starting quarterback for the year, and uh, oh, see, I didn't even know that. That ought to make it real easy. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's who they were riding. They were riding that quarterback uh, of, of Kansas. Uh, I think they lost the last two weeks though, so I'm going to go with Baylor. Mike. That one that just keep in mind that backup's good, so um, not like he's not he's not garbage. So, but I'm gonna go with the home team on this one. I 
Kansas still a solid football team, but I'm going to go with Aronda. Yeah, like I've always said, my sister went to Baylor, so I'm contractually obligated to to pick Baylor in all games. So Baylor, roll roll Bears. All right. Um, uh, just to round it out, I had to throw this one in here as a you know who kicks the last field goal. Vanderbilt at Missouri. Woo, barn burner. Literally might be some barns on fire when this one's over. Mike. That is some hate in this one for me. Um, I like I like the uh, – I think Missouri's going to ride the running game to uh, victory. Wes? Yeah, I saw Missouri against Georgia, and then you see Vander versus Georgia last week. Um, two totally different games. I'm going to go with Mizzou. Yeah, I got I got Mizzou as well. Yeah, uh, Vanderbilt has a uh, like one healthy running back left in their whole stable. Um, last week they had two and one got injured. So it, <laughs> that's that's um. They start off well against Georgia. Did it they just, may be pulling from the student uh, body, which means they might be crazy. getting someone that's a the cast, you know, like a math lead or something like that out there to play running back this week. All right, guys. Um. Another great episode. Connor, man, thank you so much for coming on again. Great to have you, our first ever uh, return guest. We appreciate all the knowledge you brought to the show and, you know, just sharing it with all of us and our uh, guests, you know, that listen to the show. We appreciate it so much. Um, guys, make sure you, you know, you can follow Connor on Twitter. Um, he writes for us. He's a writer for SIL Gators and, uh, co-host of uh, the uh, Varsity Podcast for the Roll-Up Network. Um, Guys, anything y'all want to add before we jump up? Bateman got us. Bateman got us. Uh, All right, guys, before I kick it to Wes to take us home, just want to remind you, like I say every week, go ahead and download us wherever you get your podcasts from. We're available on all providers. Continue to say, please go check out our YouTube page and make sure you uh, subscribe to the channel and like and comment on every video. Tell us how we're doing. We appreciate all the new subscribers and the new uh, followers to our Facebook page. Um, And as always, guys, if you'd like to support us as creators, check us out at our Patreon. Respect our decision. We put every dollar back into the show to try to just keep getting better for you, because if you're not getting better, Mike, you're getting worse. Absolutely. Connor, you want to let the people know where you can find you, where they can find you at? Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you guys uh, again for having me on. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be the first ever repeat guest on the Respect Artist Decision podcast. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much Twitter. It's my only platform, uh, at Connor Clark. No underscores, no no letters. I was able to clean it up a little bit since the last time <laughs> I was on the show. So, uh, so yeah, definitely um, if you want to follow anything that I write, SI All Gators, as uh, Hirsch already said, um, all it's at all gators on FN is our site account. Uh, and then for our podcast, follow us at roll up underscore varsity. Uh, and just appreciate you guys for having me on and uh, appreciate all the support that you guys have shown over the course of my career as a, a writer and, uh, and now recently a podcaster. Absolutely. I just want to say uh, we do appreciate you uh, changing your Twitter handle because we actually did get some c- complaints. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had to make sure I uh, quieted the naysayers on uh, all those Man. extra underscores and numbers and everything. It needs to be much cleaner. 
Yeah, I mean, if I want to search your tweet history, I got to be able to to know that app real quick. <laughs> All right, Wes, take us home, buddy. All right, appreciate it, Hers. Again, thank you, Connor, for coming on. Uh, to all our, our listeners, we, we thank you guys for listening to us. Again, like we always say, if you're a veteran or yourself or if you know someone that's a veteran and trying to get everything situated as far as uh, disability is concerned, please reach out to us on whatever platform. Uh, and we will get back to you to assist you guys. Uh, we support our troops here, so we thank you guys. Uh, and those that are listening that are uh, veterans, uh, thank you for your service. Uh, and go Gators. Go Gators. Go Gators. of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.